Welcome on to the Backstretch. I'm WCYB's Heather Williams. It was an interesting week in the race world. I was actually at the race in Nashville, got a chance to see the cars again in person instead of always watching them on the television. So that was kind of cool. And one of the most interesting storylines for me this week in Nashville was the dominance of Toyotas and the calls and the mistakes in the pits that cost them a chance at a win. The only Toyota that was there when the night was over with was Kurt Busch, who finished second, who was really not much of a player until the last couple of of runs there. He he used some strategy to get up front. You know, good on him. He was able to hold that position and had a chance to, to take the lead from Chase Elliott at the end. Um, couldn't quite pull off the pass, but good on him. The rest of the Toyotas, they really all cost themselves a chance at a win. Bubba Wallace's pit crew with another mistake. I understand he's frustrated. We're going to talk about that a little later on with Chris. And then the calls to come in and pit by the 18 and the 11 crew. Something else we're also going to talk about with Chris. But the Toyotas have definitely found something. They're definitely fast, especially on the intermediate-sized tracks. It's not quite a mile-and-a-half track that they raced this week in Nashville. But the finish, I mean, it doesn't really matter. You can lead all every lap, all 400 miles, all 399 miles. But if you're not leading, when you cross the start-finish line, when the checkered flag comes out, it doesn't really matter. So Toyota's got some things to figure out for sure, but they definitely looked strong. This week I also had a chance to attend the funeral for a long time. Speedway Motorsports founder, Bruton Smith. Um, beautiful service. I enjoyed uh, hearing more about his life and, and about what he meant to so many people. So uh, we'll get Chris's thoughts on that as well. And then our guest this week is Austin Sindrick. I really enjoyed catching up with Austin because he is a really great person. He is so dedicated to this sport. He really wants us. He's very passionate. He won the biggest race in the world right out of the gate in the Cup Series. It's a lot of pressure. So he has a really good perspective on things. I also really enjoyed his take um, on road racing since we're headed to Road America this weekend, and he's a pretty good road racer. Um, I thought his take on that was really interesting. So I'll quit talking. And let's get down to business. We are joined, as always, by our crew chief, Chris Carrier, who also happens to be the crew chief of the number 75 food country truck in the Camping World Truck Series. Bubba Wallace was mad after another mistake by his pit crew. He raced from the back three times and ended up recovering for a 12th place finish. His crew chief, Booty Barker, said that Bubba is beat down and frustrated. Now, 2311 gets its crews from Joe Gibbs Racing. So as someone who also rents their pit crew each weekend, what can the 23 team do at this point? Well, Heather, they, you know, this is, this is a tough situation. I mean, they're getting pit crew from one of the top teams in the sport, period. And, you know, the expectations are pretty high. The expectations are pretty high for everything. This is a, this is a very competitive situation. All three of the top series are the same way. You can't afford to lose time or lose spots on pit road or restarts or anything else. If there's a problem, you got to go fix it. And Heather, I think the answer is that, you know, the 23 team has to voice their displeasure. They have to figure out, okay, what's going on here? Why are we having these issues? And they got to make some kind of changes. They can't keep just taking uh, unacceptable results and say, okay, yeah, everything's good. That's that, that's not that's not even a, a an option. So 
they're going to have to analyze to see what's going on, if it's a people problem, if it's whatever, a communication problem, or so on and so forth. It could be all the above, so, but they've got, to, they've got to make some changes. Well, speaking of the pits, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch had two of the fastest cars all day, but they decided to pit on the last caution and finish 6th and 21st, respectively. Now, I know it's impossible as a crew chief in that moment to make that call, but is there a case to be made if you're the 18 or the 11 for pitting at that point in the race? The, the only thing that I can see, Heather, is that with the the, the way things are as, as far as the point systems nowadays, it's, a, it's pretty complicated. Uh, and, and trying to get playoff points and thinking about how do I position myself the best for the end of the season, uh, the only way I can do is get a win. And at that point, if they felt like, meaning the, the, the 11 and the 18 felt like they couldn't win the race as they were, uh, with a restart without doing anything else. They said, okay, let's roll the dice. We'll come in and take some tires. One took four, one took two. Uh, you know, and it, it didn't work out very well from there. But, but you know, if, if it was like, look, the only way we can win and actually improve our standings for later in the year when it gets championship time is try to do something different than the nine. This past weekend marks year two of the NASCAR Cup Series in Nashville, and the winner for one doesn't think we should be at the Nashville Super Speedway. I still think we should be at the fairgrounds, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I just think the history of that racetrack and its location is is unique, and, and honestly, second to none, really, I, I feel like, in the country. So um, the just the fact that it's a thought and, and a possibility that we could end up over there, I think, is a huge thing. So I asked earlier today on Twitter, which track do you think we should be racing on? And you said by a pretty wide margin, almost 12%, that we should be at the Nashville fairgrounds. So, Chris... I thought the racing was pretty good this weekend at the Super Speedway. Let's take a look at the two tracks side by side. Should NASCAR be at the fairgrounds instead, or maybe there's room for both tracks on the schedule? I don't think the Nashville Super Speedway is bad racing, or it's not a bad facility. There's not anything negative about it. But the Nashville Fairgrounds has a lot of history, and I think the layout and so on and so forth would be very, very good. It would be a, a big plus, I think, for the fan base. I can about tell you that most all the drivers would absolutely jump up and down for joy to go back to that place and race there. Um, you know, you, you, you would make me happy, though, to say, hey, there's going to be a date at both places. This past week, NASCAR lost an icon of the sport, Speedway Motor Motorsports founder, Bruton Smith. Chris, you've seen the evolution of one of his tracks here at the Bristol Motor Speedway firsthand. What has Bruton meant for the sport? Well, an absolute icon is, is the first thing. And just an innovator, uh, a guy that would not, he would not accept, you know, boundaries. He would not be inside of a box to say, okay, this can't be done or that can't be done or this is what you have to accept. Uh, he, he was undoubtedly a guy that would say, look, I'm going to do whatever I think is best for the health of this sport, the health of my facilities, and do whatever is best for what is going to be the, the most entertaining and the best for the for the fans that come here and watch these races. So, Chris, this week we head to Road America, another road course, and one that could be on the scheduled chopping block, according to some reports. Most drivers say they love this four-mile, 14-turn track. What's the key to getting around the Wisconsin track? Heather, I, I think that, that 
you know, this is a uh, complete road course. It's, it's very long. We mentioned that. It's got 14 turns. It's over four miles long to make a lap. Uh, you, you look at some long straightaways. You look at some very tight corners. You also look at some very high-speed corners. So everything's there as far as the demands on the car and the driver. Uh, I think getting through turn, the last turn coming onto the front straightaway is very critical, as is the the, the turn one at the end of the front straightaway, because that's the fastest part of the racetrack. Uh, I, I think with these cars, I think Sunday, you're going to see a really good competitive road race there. Joining us now is Austin Sindrick, driver the number two Ford for Penske Racing. First of all, Austin, we're about halfway through the season, a little more than now, but how would you evaluate your rookie season? Yeah, I think as you'd expect, you know, playing ups and downs, especially early on, you know, between uh, learning my team, learning the car, learning what it takes to race against the best of the best in the Cup Series. But uh, I think I think there's a lot thrown at me pretty early and trying to digest that and trying to come up with a process and uh, trying to generate some consistency. And I, I'd even say now throughout the garage area, it's I think it's been challenging for race teams to find consistent speed and performance every single weekend and um, trying to adapt to that. And a lot of that has to do with a new car and, and, and really a, a new way to go about racing with, with this car. So um, I've enjoyed learning that and, and taking advantage of, of the situations where we've had speed. And uh, I, I feel like really in the last couple of months, we've, we've had a lot of speed uh, almost everywhere we've gone, but just putting that together at different points of the race, whether that's, you know, our practice qualifying, during the race, end of the race, you know, having uh, to complete a weekend, you know, that, that execution is pretty important. And we've started to hone in on that, you know, probably in the, in the last couple months. And uh, I, I think that's where you've seen an uptake in performance and being able to, to kind of check some boxes. How hard has it been to be consistent in this car? Because, I mean, you look, there's only a handful of guys with even multiple wins as opposed to the previous few seasons. You know, there were guys with seven, eight, nine wins. And even those guys aren't super consistent. I mean, Denny Hamlin's like in the 20th in point, even though he has two wins. How hard is consistency with this car? No, no, it is hard. And But I also feel like it's really hard to recover as well throughout the races. You know, when you get behind or get a lap down or have a problem, you know, there's so many cars on the lead lap and, you know, it's, it's, it's so competitive. It's hard to work your way through. You know, if you have a car good enough to drive through the field, you've got to be really good. You're probably one of the cars that's going to be able to win the race. So, I think those are certainly challenges that, that are maybe different than in the past or maybe more magnified than in the past. And uh, I, I think that's in, that's just a different way to race. But with that many cars being on the lead lap, if, if, if you are able to just survive throughout a race, you're, you're probably able to get a good finish out of it. So uh, I, I think those are different ways of, of maybe subtly ap approaching races that, that's different this year. But also, like I said before, just finding consistent pace, con consistent performance. You know, there's some racetracks we've come to as a team and been, oh man, all four of our cars are fast. We're able to, you know, really control the race and, you know, let's try not to screw this up. Whereas, you know, you unload some weeks, it's like, oh my God, like we thought we were going to be good this weekend. Okay, let's let's figure out how to make damage control here with as few adjustments as possible and um, try, try and make something out of this. So it, it's it's certainly seems to be more that way for everybody throughout the garage. I feel like there's been some teams as of recent that have really shown some consistency. And I think that's the goal right now for, for a lot of organizations, including our own, is, is to be able to really find strengths and weaknesses and really you know, shine out the strengths. It's hard to arrive on the scene with any more of a splash than you did. I mean, winning the Daytona 500 as a rookie, that's pretty much 
the way you announce your presence, but does that add pressure to you or do you just have to compartmentalize that and just focus on your rookie season and not worry about, you know, what all that goes to be in the 500 champ? Yeah, obviously anytime it gets brought up, it puts a smile on my face, um, <laughs> but uh, as far as, the, you know, week to week, yeah, it's it certainly, I don't play the, I don't, I don't think it plays a major factor in, in either my decision-making or, or my confidence level uh, for, for better or for worse. You know, I, I think I'm too competitive, but I'm also too realistic of a person to, to think that, you know, past success is going to mean future success. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, I live week to week, you know, I, sometimes I forget what the, what the following race is. You know, we have, we have road America this weekend and then Atlanta following, and I probably couldn't tell you what races after that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm staring at the hood pins sometimes as far as my, my, my mental focus, but um, excited for, for this weekend and excited to keep moving forward. I do want to ask you about road America, but I wanted to follow up on that a little bit. Does it take a little of the stress out though? Because I mean, you knew from week one, you were probably going to be in the playoffs. I mean, as a rookie, that's got to be at least a little bit of, of, of weight off your back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly it affects the strategy throughout the season. And, you know, as we get further into the regular season and closer to the playoffs, you, you start to realize how valuable that win is, you know, especially coming from the Xfinity series where there's not as many cars that have race wins and there's more guys pointing their way in. Um, based off of yearly performance, uh, I would say that, you know, you look at the playoff picture now, it's like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of good cars that are not in the playoff picture at the moment. So um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of value to that win and uh, it's better to have one than not. I can tell you that, but it's, uh, it's, it's certainly been able to give us at least some freedom as far as, you know, time for me to learn or uh, races to be aggressive or races to be patient. You know, I, I think it's just given us some flexibility as a race team. Given your background, it seems like Road America would be a track that you would have circled on, on the schedule as one that you guys can really go in and make some noise. But I'm just curious, are so many guys good at road courses now that maybe it's not as big an advantage as us layman fans might think it is? I would say, you know, the way things have progressed really in the last five or six years in NASCAR with, with the addition of some road course races and we have a road course in the playoffs, there's really been an uptake and really effort level, honestly, for, from race teams and drivers to, to really um, take those races seriously on the schedule, if I'm being 100% honest. And I think race fans are, are probably used to in the past, you know, oh, this guy's good at road courses and that. Everyone's pretty well prepared and pretty well versed in, in, in what to do. Obviously, there's there's some drivers that, that have more strengths than others at certain types of racetracks, and I think there's it's no different. But I don't think all road courses are built the same either. You know, I think there's guys that run really well at Sonoma that won't run well at Watkins Glen and vice versa. So I think those types of things, you know, same, same as running short tracks. You know, Bristol's a short track and Richmond's a short track. Two completely different places. And I think road courses are the same way and there's different characteristics and things that make them better. And my job is to be good every single weekend. So uh, as, as I see it, you know, I would say probably externally, there's, you know, a, an expectation for performance this weekend. And you could say that's why I'm, you know, excited to go there. But I would say even on the bad weekends, I've, I've loved going to Road America just for, for the event, for the atmosphere. Uh, it's, it's a fun place to cut a, cut a lap around. So uh, that's what makes me look forward to going to it. And it's definitely circled on the calendar and um, just looking forward to making the most of it. So three, two, one. So my final thought this week is about road course racing. Do we have too much of it? Maybe. I mean, I think sometimes too much of a good thing is too much. You know, ice cream is great. Too much ice cream gives you a stomach ache. 
Um, I think all the road courses that we race on are, are pretty good. They're pretty entertaining. I, I'm looking forward to this week at Road America. But with the talk of Road America maybe coming off the circuit in order to make way for a street race, you know, ask the question, which road courses should we be going to? You know, should we not maybe race the Roval because it's not a true road course and it's taking a spot away from a Road America or Watkins Glen? Maybe Watkins Glen has run its course. Maybe we shouldn't go to Coda um, because that's really made for uh, – you know, F1 cars and smaller cars, although the racing there has been really good. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I do know that the road course racing has been pretty good in the next gen cars. So I, I shudder to think about removing one of the tracks because I, I don't know which one I'd pick. They all have their pluses. They all have their minuses, but obviously something's going to have to go. In, in my opinion, I think we probably should take out away a second date to one of these intermediate tracks. Although the intermediate track racing has been really good too with the next-gen cards, the short tracks that have been uh, really kind of tough to watch, but I don't think anyone's going to take short track off the schedule. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I like road course racing. I don't necessarily want to see any of the road courses come off the schedule, but sadly, I don't make the schedule. So <laughs> it will be left up to NASCAR to make those decisions, and we'll probably find out here in a month or two what they've decided. Thanks for joining us on The Backstretch. We'll see you next week.